Kurt and Megan are out of town this morning, so that's why I did the announcements and everything, so I wanted you to know that, and uh, they'll be back this week. So I want to read to you this morning out of Galatians chapter 4, and I'm going to start with verse 4, and I'm going to read through 7, and it's out of the New King James Version. And what I want to stir in you this morning is the truth out of the Scripture that we're sons and that we're daughters. And I'm going to say the word son a lot this morning. And what I'd like for you to understand is when I say son, I also mean daughter. I mean, I mean it is the same thing. So we're not leaving the ladies out this morning. But here, here's the thing. Your father, your creator, is just what I said he is. He's your father. And he loves you. And if you can understand that, it will really, really help you. Here's a couple of simple truths. You'll never live beyond how you see yourself. So important for you to understand how you see yourself. Another truth is your perception is your reality, okay? Now, here's the thing that's so powerful to understand. The Bible is God's promises to you. And when you read the Bible, you know, in May, we're reading uh, the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. When you read the Scripture, you begin to find out who you are, and it begins to change who you are because you see yourself the way God sees you. So let me just go ahead and start. I'm going to read Galatians 4, starting with verse 4. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons or daughters. And because your sons... God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now, here's the first thing I want to ask you this morning. I just read to you the promises of God's word. And what they say is, is that you're a son. You're a son. Now, my question to you is, what do you say? What do you say? What is your perception this morning of yourself? How do you see yourself? Who told you who you were and what have you believed about it? God's word says that you and I are sons and daughters. Now, I want to back up in these scriptures and I'm going to show you some very powerful, simple truths. And then I want to show you a couple of other things. Let me start. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. We know that's true. Born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. Now, let me explain something to you about the law. The law is basically the old covenant. The old covenant was based on performance. And if you did what God asked you to do, he blessed you. If you didn't do what he asked you to do, then curses would come on you. You and I live under the new covenant. We live after the cross of Christ. And the Bible says that the new covenant is a better covenant with better promises. Now, this scripture says right here that Jesus fulfilled the law. He fulfilled what God required. All right, let me read it to you. Look what it says. It says that he was born under the law. In other words, the law was on him. He had to keep it, and he did. Then it says that he did something. He redeemed us who were under the law. Now, let me explain to you what redeem means. Redeem means to purchase or to buy. Okay, Jesus bought us out from under the law by his blood. So my relationship with God is not based on keeping rules and regulations. My relationship with God is not based on law. My relationship with God is based on relationship. And it happened because of what Jesus Christ has done. Let me continue to read. It says that you and I have been redeemed from the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. 
Now, why does it say might? Because you decide. You see, you have to decide to receive Jesus. You have to decide to say yes to God. You decide. See, he won't make you do it. You have to decide to. But then once you do, it says that you and I are adopted as sons. Now, I don't know what your uh, involvement with adoption is, but a lot of times we can think of it as a second-class word, and the scripture of adoption is exactly the opposite. What it means is to be placed as a son. Now, here's what happened. When you heard the gospel preached, which the Bible calls the good news, and you said, hey, I believe I'll have some of that. I want Jesus in my life. I know I haven't done everything right. I know I'm lost. I know I need a Savior. Jesus, come into my life and be my Savior. Then I and you, when you prayed that prayer, that instant, you were placed in the kingdom as a son, as a daughter, with all the rights, all the privileges, and all the benefits that go with it. You have a father who is a rich Jew. And I don't mean that disparagingly. The Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is so wealthy that what you think is valuable, what the world thinks is valuable, which is gold, he uses as pavement. That's how wealthy he is. And you're his son, you're his daughter. And he is a good father. Now, see, that's where the rub is. See, when I start talking about God being your father, you immediately, just like I do, think about your earthly father. And you may have good thoughts or you may have bad thoughts. See, what happens to us in Christianity is we connect our earthly father to our heavenly father. And we give our heavenly father the same traits as our earthly father. And that can be good or it can be bad. See, if your father was cold and distant to you, then you can think of the heavenly father as cold and distant to you. So here's the rub. Here's what needs to happen. See, you have to go to the promises of God, and you have to find out who your heavenly father is. And he may be nothing like your earthly father. And you may have had a good earthly father, and I hope that you did. But if you didn't, your heavenly father is good, and he loves you, and he's interested in you, and he wants to be involved in your life, and he wants a relationship with you. All right, now let me continue to read. Listen to what it says. It says that he redeemed those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Verse 6, and because you are sons. Now, there's only one way to become a son. It's by birth. You see, I belong to Harold and Luella Gray. Now, they're both in heaven. They're doing great this morning. But I belong to them because I'm their son. And the way I was their son, I was born to them. Now, you can also be placed as a son through adoption in this life. And many people have done that. And it's just as powerful as natural birth. What I want you to understand is you don't become a son by behaving. You don't become a son by being good. You don't become a son by performance. You become a son by birth. Jesus called it what? The new birth. Isn't that what he told Nicodemus? You must be born again. The only way to get into the kingdom, the only way to become a son, the only way to become a daughter is to be born into it. So if you've received Christ as your Savior, listen to me, you're a son. You're a daughter. And there's rights and privileges. Listen to what it says. And because you're sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. Two thoughts right there. Where does that say Jesus lives? 
He lives in your heart. Isn't that what it says? It says, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart. Listen, Jesus Christ lives on the inside of me in my born again human spirit. You see, my spirit was spiritually dead. Now my spirit is spiritually alive because I invited Jesus Christ into my life. I just didn't get whitewashed. I'm clean and new and righteous because of what Jesus did. And it says right here, also I cry out, Abba, Father. What's that mean? Well, when I think about God, the scripture says he's my daddy and I'm supposed to treat him in an affectionate way. Abba means Papa, Daddy. It's a loving term, right? You have small children and grandchildren, right? And they run and throw their arms up, want you to pick them up, and you get tired of it. Well, I got good news. It'll pass, and they'll never ask you to do it again. (laughs) Amen? Amen? I wish my kids would quit doing that. I got great news. They will. They will. Then they'll want your car keys in your wallet. Amen? And and you can you hug me? No, I'm not hugging you, right? It means endearment. It means love. Listen to me. If I could just get you to see this. When you approach God, approach him as your father, and he's a loving father, and he's a kind father, and you can call him daddy. You see, that's what got Jesus in trouble in the New Testament when he was on the earth. Now, I know it was before the New Testament, but what got him in trouble was he told them, God's your father, and they couldn't see God as a father. They only saw God as a judge and as a ruler and as a lawgiver. But you and I are in the new covenant, and he's our father. All right, now listen to what it says. It says, I'm supposed to say, Abba, Father, Daddy, Papa. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. You're no longer a slave, but a son. And if you're a son, then you're an heir of God through Christ. What does that mean? What's an heir? Everything God has belongs to me. Everything God has belongs to you. His re- Listen to me. His resources are available to you. Why? Because you're his child. Because he's your father. I'm an heir. Are you with me? You're an heir. And you don't have to do anything to earn it except be born into it. Now, here's what I want to do with the time I have left. I want to explain to you the difference between being a slave. And I have two other words I want to include. Slave. Uh, orphan or servant and a son. I'm going to show you the difference. First, let me explain to you what an orphan is. An orphan is, is a person with no family, nobody to take care of them. If you've ever been involved in foster care before, I was visiting with a family one time who, who took care of foster children, and they said that when a child would come into their home and they would sit down and eat dinner, the child would eat everything on their plate. Then if there was like fruit or bread left on the table, they would take those items and put them in their pocket so they could take them with, take it with them. And this person had to tell this child, oh, we're going to eat again. But you see, in their life, they didn't know that. So they would stash the bread. They would stash the apple or the orange in their pocket because they were orphans and they didn't know where their next meal was coming from. Ashley worked at East Ridge Elementary, and those children had come from refugee camps, and they would do the very same thing. If there was an extra apple, they would put it in their pocket, and they would take it with them, okay? You know, the kids in Amarillo who go to the more well-to-do schools, they throw 75% of that food in the trash because they won't eat it. But if you're an orphan, you don't know where your next meal's coming from. Now, when I was growing up, I know most of you know, my father passes away when I'm 18 years old and an accident at his job. And at that time in my life, I felt like I was on my own. I felt like I was an orphan. Now, listen to me very carefully. I was not an orphan. Okay, I had a mother who loved me and I had extended family who cared about me, but I felt like on the inside that I was an orphan and I was on my own. Now, Jesus said in the word, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So the scripture said I wasn't an orphan. My family said I wasn't an orphan, but I felt like an orphan. Now, don't miss this. This will change your life. My perception was I was on my own. 
So that's how I lived. But then I began to read the Bible and I began to find out that I was not on my own and that I was a son and that God loved me. You see, that's how powerful perception is. So orphans think they're on their own. What's the next group? The next group is slave or servant. Now, let me give you a simple definition, okay? Here's what a servant does. A servant's life is based on performance. A servant or a slave. What what do you mean, pastor? Here's what it means. If you're a servant, you work for someone, and if you do a good job, you're rewarded. If you don't do a good job, you're punished. Now, in the world we live in today, what's that look like? You go to work, you do a good job, you get paid, you get raises, you get bonuses, you get benefits. You don't do a good job, you don't do it long enough, probably they'll fire you and get rid of you. It's based on performance. It's not based on whether they like you or whether you're a good friend with them. Are you with me? Okay, a slave is even worse. He is a slave. If I don't do my job, they don't fire me. They beat me. Right? And if I don't perform and change, a lot of times they would even kill you as a slave. All right, listen to me. Lots and lots of Christians' relationship with God is based on being a servant or being a slave. What do you mean? Well, they want to perform for God. God, I'm going to try to do good. I'm going to try to do my best. I'm going to behave I can remember when I was a kid and I'd go to church with my parents and I would try to behave. Now, I tried to behave for one reason because if I didn't, I'd get a whipping, okay? My mother would dig a hunk out of my arm in church and I'd think, why is that gonna keep me quiet? I never did get that, right? But I can remember going to church and I can remember singing the songs and praying the prayers and really trying to listen intently because I wanted to leave there thinking God was happy with me. If you think that way, you're a servant, You're a slave because your relationship's based on performance. Now, there's always consequences for sin. And I'm not saying this morning you can do anything you want and it doesn't matter. That's not the heart of God. But you see, a servant, a slave says, well, if I do good, God will be happy with me. If I don't do good, he won't be happy with me. It's always based on doing more and doing better. Listen to me. It doesn't matter how high you jump. The higher you jump, the higher you're going to have to jump the next time. And see, if we do it in church, it's terrible on us. See, if we come in here with our spiritual yardstick and we're going to measure each other and I'm going to hold my stick up against you and I'm going to measure how your performance is, oh, folks, that's so terrible. It's bondage. It's, it's death. All right, here's a son. A son's relationship is based on one thing, birth, birth, birth. You see, you know what a servant does? A servant works hard and clocks out and goes home and goes and does their thing. A son works hard and goes into the big house and has dinner with daddy. That's the difference. Your sons, not slaves, not orphans, not servants. Now, in the time that I have left, I want to show you four simple ways to tell the difference between being a servant or a slave and being a son. Here's how servants think. They have an unhealthy fear of provision or protection. They have an unhealthy fear of provision or protection. What do you mean, pastor? Well, you're not sure whether God's going to come through for you. So you have fear of God taking care of you. You have fear of, are we going to have enough? Then you have fear of him taking care of you, provision and protection. Listen, can I encourage you this morning? I encourage the early service, and I want to encourage you in this. And I really feel like this is from the heart of God this morning. If you struggle with thunderstorms, listen, God will take care of you. 
and you can go to bed at night and you can sleep like a baby and you can bring the blood of Jesus over your house and over your home, your vehicles and your property, and God will take care of you. And you don't need to get up at 3 in the morning and see if Doppler Dave is up. You don't have to get up and go hide out somewhere wondering what's going to happen to you because God will take care of you. Are you with me? I know the devil wants to torment us with fear. And maybe it's storms, maybe it's something else. But the the word of God says that I'll take care of you. Fear not, I'm with you. Be not afraid, I'm your God. Don't be dismayed. I'll look after you. See, servants and slaves kind of wonder. But sons don't wonder. Because you know what Jesus said? He said, I'll take care of you and I'll meet all your needs. Amen? I'll take care of you. And I'm not condemning you. Don't misunderstand me. I just want you to be encouraged. When you're laying in bed at night and it starts lightning and thundering, enjoy the show. Amen? Enjoy the show. You don't have to be afraid. What happens? Well, servants have an unhealthy fear of provision or protection. Here's the second thing. Slaves assume rejection. What do you mean? Well, when you go to God, you assume he's not going to answer your prayer. You assume he's not going to speak to you. You assume he has different plans than you do, and he's not going to take care of you. And we assume it with God, and we assume it with others. Why? Because if my relationship with God's based on performance, I've never performed enough to please him. But if you can move out of that and move into sonship, I'm born into the kingdom of God because of the blood of Jesus. I have a good father who loves me, and he wants to take care of me, and he's not going to reject me. So I don't assume rejection. Then we assume it with other people. Well, when you go places, you think, well, people don't like me. Have you ever done that? Right? You think, well, you know, they think they're better than me. Can I encourage you in something? 99% of all people don't give you a second thought. Now, including me in that, amen? You know how we think, well, we, people don't like me. And people, You know, you go to the grocery store and you see somebody and you think, hey, that person doesn't like me. They weren't even thinking about you. They're thinking about the price of grape juice. They're wondering if there's any chicken nuggets left in the freezer. They're not thinking about you. I'm just saying, have some peace. That's all I'm saying. Amen? Listen, sons know they're not rejected. Slaves and orphans and servants wonder if they are. Here's the next thing is uh, servants are insecure. They're insecure. Jesus said to build your house on the rock. In other words, you build it on the love of Jesus Christ. You build it on the word of God. See, if your life and your relationship with God's based on your performance, there's always a sense of insecurity of, well, you know, have I done enough? Is God going to take care of me? Is God going to look after my family? And you have that fear and that insecurity. And you do it to God, and then you do it when you go into other places. Now, I'm not saying have a pride or an arrogance, but I'm saying have an assurance in your heart that you are loved and you're in the family of God. Listen to me. If you do any, if you've done anything to get in the family of God, then maybe you can do something to get out of the family of God. But Jesus did it all. Amen? I didn't do anything to get in the kingdom of God except say yes. That's all I did. Jesus, I want you in my life. Amen? All right, so, you know, because people can think, well, man, you know, maybe, maybe I can do something and I can lose my salvation. Listen, I don't believe for one second you, your human spirit can get unborn again. Listen, the Christian walk is a journey, it's, and there's ups and downs, and you fall down and you get back up. But as long as you're walking with God, God will not leave you or forsake you. Amen? He's not going to abandon you. And you don't have to have that fear in your heart. Well, I wonder where God is. Well, he's right there with you. And he's with you when it's thundering or lightning or when you're worried about your checkbook or maybe you're concerned about your kids. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Here's the last one. Uh, servants have a paranoid distrust. 
What's that mean? Well, you don't trust God, and you don't trust people. Now, I'm not saying be naive, okay? I'm not saying that. But when you think to yourself that everybody's out to get you or everybody's out to do you dirty or everybody's trying to take advantage of you or, you know, you always are leery of people, all right, then you live like a servant. You live like a slave. Now, I'm not saying people can't take advantage of you. I'm not saying that. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying be naive. But I'm saying understand that you don't have to have a paranoid distrust of God and you don't have to have a paranoid distrust of people. Listen, do you know what sons do? Sons are open to receive. For many, many years in church, after a service would be over and somebody would come up to me and they would say, Pastor, that message ministered to me and encouraged me. I couldn't receive it because I would immediately think in my head, well, you know, I'm really nobody and I'm really nowhere important. And so I couldn't receive it. And God had to heal me of that. Listen, when you come up after church and you say to me, Pastor, that was a good message, I've learned to be able to say thank you for your kind words, and I'm able to receive your compliment. See, if you can't receive from other people, if you go out to eat and somebody wants to buy you a meal, they want to they bless you, and you say, oh, no, 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 I don't want you to do that. See, that's like living like a servant or a slave. Be open to allowing people to bless you. Be open to receive. Are you with me? When people want to be kind to you and people want to do good things for you, you don't have that paranoid distrust. Here's the thing. We're sons. We're sons. We're sons by birth. I'm in the kingdom. You're in the kingdom if you know Christ. We're in right standing with God. And you have a good father who loves you. And he desires to take care of you. Listen, do I desire to take care of my children? Do you desire to take care of your children? Well, what does the scripture say? If you and I, being natural, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more? Right? I never got up as a kid, and I know maybe you did. I'm not saying that. I never got up as a kid and wondered if I was going to be taken care of. I'm blessed. I was lucky. I had good parents. I knew they were going to take care of me. Can I encourage you to be the same way with God? You don't have to get up and wonder if God hears you. You don't have to get up in the morning and wonder if he cares or wonder if he's moving. He does care, he does listen, and he does hear you. When I pray, I know God hears me. Why? Because I'm a son. I'm a son, right? I'm a son. I'm welcome in the house. I don't have to go in the back door. I'm welcome in the refrigerator. I can get the remote and watch the big screen. I can drive his Ferrari. He doesn't drive a Volkswagen. Right? Are you with me? He's my father. He's your father. And he doesn't want you to not do well. He wants to take care of you just like my, I want my children to do well. All right, y'all stand up and let's pray. Praise God. Now, we've got a couple of minutes before it's time to go. So would you bow your head and let's just take a minute and do business with God. I'd like for you to just to close your eyes for privacy and I want you to open your heart to Jesus. You're not opening your heart to me. You're opening your heart to him. And I just want you to ask him to stir your heart in the direction of you being a son and a daughter. And that he would stir that truth in your heart this morning. Jesus, we come to you this morning. And we thank you that we didn't do anything to get into the kingdom. You did it all. And when we said yes to you, we were born again. Jesus, would you stir in our hearts the truth that we're sons and that we're daughters? that we have provision, that we can trust you, 
that we're not alone and we're not abandoned and that we don't go by our feelings and our emotions, but we go by the truth of your word this morning. Lord, stir in us this morning. Stir that truth in our hearts that we're sons and that we're daughters. Lord, in a fresh and new way, would you burn that into us this morning? Lord Jesus, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that you took care of it and that we're in the family of God. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I love you guys. Lord bless you, and you all go and have a great rest of your weekend.